invite you to turn to our passage this morning, Numbers chapter 9. It's in your bulletin over on page uh, 3, printed out. Um, Numbers chapter 9, continuing our study in the book of Numbers. And we mentioned at the, at the beginning of our study that we wouldn't cover each and every verse and each and every chapter, uh, so we're going to skip over chapter 8. It's, it's a subject matter that we spent a good bit of time on. Chapter 8 has to do with the, uh, the cleansing of the Levites, and we did a whole study on who the Levites were and how that encourages us. Uh, so we'll move ahead into chapter 9 this morning, and we'll read together the first 14 verses. So let's, let's read God's word together. This is the word of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the people of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month, at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its statutes and all its rules, you shall keep it. So Moses told the people of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover in the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai. According to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so the people of Israel did. And there were certain men who were unclean through the touching of a dead body, so that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. And those men said to him, We are unclean through touching a dead body. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel? And Moses said to them, Wait, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Uh, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If any one of you or of your descendants is unclean through the touching of a dead body, or is on a long journey, he shall still keep the Passover to the Lord. In the second month, on the fourteenth day, at twilight, they shall keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break any of its bones. According to all the statute for the Passover, they shall keep it. But if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people, because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger sojourns among you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, according to the statute of the Passover and according to its rules, rule, so shall he do. You shall have one statute, both for the sojourner and for the native. Let's, let's pray together. Our great God, use your word here among us this morning. Lord, show us uh, the great things that you have done the great calling you have upon us as your people. For we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> so happy first day of spring. I wonder if you can remember what you were up to the first day of spring last year. Can you, can you go back? Remember what, what you were doing, what was running around your mind, what life was like uh, last spring, first day? The headlines were all about the pandemic. At that point, the vaccines had just been rolled out a couple months before. 
Uh, I, I went back to my email inbox and kind of refreshed myself a little bit, back to the calendar. Uh, the announcement I got uh, during that uh, time was that, that local schools were just going back to five days a week in person, only still half days. Uh, that was kind of what life, life was like. See, so you picture where you were in, in that, uh, that time one year ago? Uh, the kinds of things your email inbox would show you you were up to, uh, or maybe remind you of the things you were worried about, things you were stressed about, tempted by. Well, Numbers 9, we find the Israelites, and it's springtime. And they would know exactly where they were one year before. Because one year before, this Numbers 9 springtime, was the day that Israel was released from slavery in Egypt. Numbers 9, the one-year anniversary uh, of that release. Uh, The one-year anniversary of that first Passover, the one back in Egypt. The original one that everything else was based on. Kids, do you remember what happened to that first Passover? Remember the story? Back in Egypt, here are the Israelites under sla- in slavery under Pharaoh, and God sends these ten plagues through Moses, and here's the climactic one. The firstborn, every firstborn in the son in the land of Egypt will be killed in God's judgment. God will come and pass through the land. Every firstborn, but not, not among the Israelites. Because you remember what God did. He made a way, he made provision for them to be rescued. Because it wasn't because the Israelite sons were any better than the Egyptian sons. Uh, in fact, we read there that the Israelites were, were just as much complainers in many ways uh, and, and not really holy. But they were rescued because God provided a substitute. And there was the picture of the Passover lamb. A substitute. Spotless lamb was sacrificed there in Egypt. One for each household. Spotless lamb, uh, i.e. didn't deserve to die but died in place of the firstborn. And lamb would die, and they'd gather around the families for a feast and eat it. All right, be careful not to break the bones, God told his people. Uh, eat all of it that whole day with unleavened bread, and then take the blood of that Passover lamb and put it on the doors of your house. And so when God would pass through the land of Egypt in judgment, uh, the blood would mark off, these are God's people. Uh, these are the ones uh, who, who are rescued through the substitute dying in their place. That was the first uh, Passover there in Egypt as God's people are set free. And here we are, Numbers 9, it's one year later. Uh, and they're looking back, and God says, you're going to celebrate that same meal. You're going to do it over again. How would that be helpful for them? How might that be helpful for us? I hope we've come to see that the book of Numbers is helpful for God's people today. Not helpful in the sense that we do exactly what they did back then, but we see how those Old Testament ceremonies and details point forward to Jesus and therefore connect to us and God's calling upon our lives. Hopefully it's not too hard to see Jesus in a passage like this. Jesus in the Passover. Of course, Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb. Christ, Paul calls him Christ our Passover, who was sacrificed for us. Uh, John points him out as the lamb of God who dies for the sin of the world. 
Oh yeah, Jesus, just like that Passover lamb. Spotless, doesn't deserve to die, but yet Jesus dies in place of sinners like us, so that marked off through his blood, uh, we're free, we get life uh, and rescued from death because the Passover lamb has died for us. Okay, Passover lamb, Jesus, get it? Okay, so how is reading of the Israelites celebrating the Passover, how is that helpful for them? How might it be helpful for us? Well, let's, let's take a look. Uh, three, three points together this morning. They're listed there at the bottom of page three. First thing, the Passover lamb enables us to process our past. Passover lamb enables us to process our past. Now, you, as you read through the Old Testament and New, uh, every time you read uh, of the Passover being celebrated, uh, you start to realize it, it's in those moments where it's recorded that something big is happening in God's plan. Every single time. Uh, if I count correctly, there's only seven recorded celebrations of the Passover in Scripture. It was supposed to happen every year, so it happened a lot more than that. But God only records seven of them. And you go back to every single one, and it's God doing something big, a big change, a big point in God's plan of rescue. Um, of course, the first one, that's obvious. Uh, so God was doing something big that first Passover. He was setting his people free from slavery in Egypt. Uh, we could go to Joshua 5 uh, there. The Passover is celebrated again. That's as God's people are coming into the promised land. Something big, something new. Uh, or we read of Passover celebrations during the time of King Hezekiah and King Josiah. That's God doing this great work of reformation among his people, turning their hearts back to him uh, in those places. Another Passover celebration is recorded in Ezra 6. That's the first Passover after the exiles return to the Promised Land. Uh, and of course, the, the biggest moment in God's plan uh, is, the, is the death of Christ on the cross, and sure enough, as our reading in Matthew told us this morning, there is a celebration of the Passover. Okay, so when we come to Numbers 9, and we read of a celebration of the Passover, uh, we're, we're all primed to be thinking, okay, God must be doing something big here. Something big must be going. In sense of looking back and looking forward. So let's take those one at a time. God uh, doing something big as the Israelites look back. Uh, as we said, this is the first anniversary of that original Passover. So this is the first time that God's people celebrated as a, as a meal of remembering what happened before. Uh, so they, they get this very intentional reminder of God's rescue, uh, of, of God marking his people off as his and, and, and setting them free. They, they get this intentional reminder, oh yeah, that's right. This is who God is. This is what he does, and this is who he's made us to be. Uh, a reminder of what happened last spring and how it is true of them today. It's also important because God, God's people, as they look back over the previous year, uh, will see a spiritual high, but also a great spiritual low. So the spiritual high, uh, this Numbers uh, 7 uh, 9 spring, that they look back to is one year ago, this great moment of God setting them free from, from slavery in Egypt. That was last spring. But last spring turned into last summer, and last summer had the whole nation bowing down to a golden calf. 
kind of the exact opposite, right? It's from spiritual high to great spiritual low. Uh, this very nation, uh, not long after being set free, now is worshiping uh, a golden calf, as if it were God, as if, as if this statue had set them free. Uh, and God, in that passage, makes it quite clear, this people deserves to be completely destroyed, completely cut off from his love and his presence. That's what they deserve. Uh, God shows mercy, you might remember. He stays with his people. He promises he will bring them into the promised land and be with them. He shows mercy. Um, but but that was last summer. And now, in the springtime, you've got to think that's on their minds. Yeah, we didn't do so hot. Okay, one year ago was a great high, but, but we followed that up with a pretty deep low. Uh, is God kind of still mad at us? Uh, has he got one foot out the door when it comes to us? And how powerful it would be uh, for God to come to them and say, not just inviting them to take the Passover, but, but commanding them. This is still for you. Yeah, you who messed up. This is for you. Act out uh, my saving power for you. Uh, rehearse my saving love for you. Uh, my marking you off as my precious people, you, yes, you golden calf worshiping people, you, this is for you, God says. This reminder that, that, that this is still them. God's saving power still uh, for them. They probably needed that reminder. We probably do too. I don't know, as you look back to the, the past year, um, maybe if you did a little detailed analysis of your email inbox and your calendar, you'd have the experience that I did, which was going back and realizing all the things you worried about one year ago, uh, all the things that stressed you out, uh, that had you, had you, you know, kind of, you know, maybe not as faithful as you should have been with those things, maybe not as prayerful as you should have been with those things, maybe not as trusting with the Lord with those sort of things, right? That, that's what a look back at our past looks like. Uh, kind of Israelite-like. We're not as faithful. We're not as trusting. We're, we're going astray. That's us. How powerful, then, is it that God comes and says, here, celebrate a meal of remembrance. Celebrate a meal where you get to see, God says, my saving power for you. My saving love for you. Uh, my marking you off as, as my people. Yes, you struggling with faith, sinful people. Yeah, you too. You come. Not just inviting, but commanding. Yeah, this is for you. We kind of need that reminder, don't we? And that's exactly what God gives. Helps us understand our past and see that uh, God's faithfulness and his uh, undeserved love. The Passover lamb also prepares us for the future. See, Numbers 9 is a big moment for God's people looking forward. We're going to see it next week. The very next thing that God has his people do is pack everything up and start to move. This will be the first time they pack up the tabernacle. Uh, the first time God's people break the, the, the reformed camp and head out, and they're going straight towards the promised land. This is a big new thing for them. And this big new thing will have them facing all sorts of challenges. They're going to be tempted to complain 
on the journey uh, and worry about whether God will really provide and whether God really cares for them. Uh, they're going to hear reports uh, about big, strong enemies in front of them and big, strong cities, and they're going to be tempted uh, not to trust God. They're going to face other enemies who, uh, who bear down upon them and want to curse them, and, and, and all these temptations are, are just right in front of them. But before they take one step forward on that journey, before they even begin to pack up the tents and start to move, God says, sit down to my table. Sit down to the Passover meal. Sit down and go through this rehearsal of my saving power. Uh, go through this rehearsal of my saving love. This reminder of who you are as my precious rescued people. Before you even take one step forward on that journey, be reminded. God does the same thing with us. Right? We're, we're going to go forward in the year ahead. None of us really knows where we'll be next first day of spring. We won't be able to predict it. We probably know enough to know that there's going to be all sorts of challenges on the journey, all sorts of temptations, all sorts of things that are going to bear down upon us. Uh, but, but look at God's kindness. Before we even take one step forward on that journey, God says, sit down. Sit down. I'm, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to, I'm going to hand you these, these vivid reminders of my saving love for you. Uh, of my great saving power for you, of who you are as my rescued, marked-off people. Before we even take that step forward, God says, sit down, let me feed you. So we get encouragement as we look back, encouragement as we look forward. The other thing the Passover lamb does is it announces God's welcome. Announces God's welcome. So in Numbers 9, the first five verses are God's commands to the people to keep the Passover. Gives them some details of what that's going to look like, and sure enough, they do it. But then you get to verse 6, and this special case arises. A group of men come to Moses, and, uh, and well, they're in a difficult situation because they're not allowed to take the Passover. Uh, they have just come into contact with a dead body. We've seen earlier in Numbers uh, that in the Old Testament world, Contact with a dead body makes you ceremonially unclean. Now, it's not a moral failure. Actually, probably they came into contact with a dead body because they were lovingly caring for a close family member, uh, either in death or in burial or something like that. So, so not a moral failure, but, but a ceremonial uncleanness. And we explained the, the picture there because death came into the world due to our sin and our rebellion. And so it has that imagery of what's wrong with the world, of what's decaying and, and dark. And, uh, and so the, therefore, from a, from a ceremonial picture standpoint, it makes you unclean and unfit uh, to, to be in God's presence. And in this case, unfit to take the Passover, this special celebration and offering uh, to God. So here are these men. Uh, the, the day arrives when everybody's supposed to celebrate the Passover, and they can't do it. So they come to Moses and say, um, what about us? Moses responds. Uh, he responds, it's helpful to know, the way really all of us should respond when we get a difficult situation. What does Moses say? Let me talk to God about this. Right? You get to a hard situation, 
Always a good response. Let me see what God says about this. Well, God gives an answer. Now, we would go to God's word. Moses heard it verbally. Uh, but here's, here's God's answer. Verse 11, uh, God makes provision for them. He says that they absolutely can take the Passover. He says they're going to take it in the second month on the 14th day. Everybody else, it's first month, 14th day. Uh, these men who are unclean, they're going to take it in the second month uh, on the 14th day. So you start to see the picture of God. Uh, not exactly the, the, the caricature of the mean, strict uh, God of the Old Testament. Actually, it's a picture of the understanding, welcoming God. Uh, he makes provision for them. Uh, in fact, he takes it a step further because he makes provision for them, and then, without even being asked, he expands the welcome. Did you catch that? So verse 10, he's giving the answer. Uh, speak to the people of Israel, saying, if any one of you or your descendants is unclean through touching a dead body, like these guys, or is on a long journey, he shall still keep the Passover to the Lord. So, so God, unasked, expands the welcome. Here's this other group, uh, those who go on a long journey. Probably this is anticipating the people being in the land. And, and so an Israelite who would go into Gentile territory on a trip, go into Gentile territory, make you unclean. And so you come back for Passover time and you're unclean. You can't take the Passover. Uh, and so God says, oh, yeah, I'll make provision for them, too. They, too, will celebrate the Passover just one month after, when they're clean again. Right? You see the idea? God welcomes this one group. Oh, and then he expands the welcome to another. In fact, he does it one more time. That's one more group that he's going to welcome in. Verse 14. Uh, another group that you might think would be kept off, God makes provision for them, too. And that's verse 14. Uh, a sojourner. If a stranger sojourns among you and would keep the Passover... Uh, according to the statute of the Passover, according to its rule, so shall he do. A sojourner, in other words, a, a Gentile, uh, but not just somebody passing through, someone, a Gentile who is settled among the people of Israel. Kind of a resident alien, uh, someone who's a citizen of another country, but it's kind of, they've settled. This is their kind of new home uh, for, a, for a significant period of time. Uh, they can take the Passover too if they desire it. Exodus 12 adds the fact that they need to be circumcised to do it. In other words, they have to be fully committed to, to the God of Israel, but they're welcome too, right? So you have these three different groups that you might think, oh, these people are going to be kept at a distance. Unclean, unclean, stranger, foreigner. And yet what does God do? He welcomes each and every one, expanding uh, the welcome more and more. You get the feel? Now, we should know that God it doesn't just say, eh, do whatever you want. I really don't care. Right? Just celebrate. Don't celebrate. Clean, unclean, I don't care. No big deal. He doesn't say that. Um, he gives specifics. Right? you got to do it on this day, one month later. You have to follow all the instructions. Unleavened bread, bitter herbs, don't break the bones. Uh, he even adds verse 13, which says, if you're an Israelite and you, you are clean, but yet you refuse to take the Passover, God says that person's going to be cut off. Uh, in other words, by rejecting the Lord's, uh, the Lord's offering, by rejecting this celebration, you're really rejecting God. Uh, so we don't have God just saying, eh, I don't really care at all, um, which, which wouldn't be necessarily a God we'd want to follow anyway. 
A God who really doesn't care much about holiness or goodness or justice or truth. Just, eh, whatever you want to do. No, we have a God who is perfectly holy, perfectly righteous. We have a God who welcomes. A God who makes a way for the unclean to come. Uh, for the stranger to come. That's the God we have in the Passover. And, and, and don't we see the fulfillment of it in the Lord Jesus? Because you have the God uh, who welcomes coming to earth. The God who makes a way for the unclean to be clean, uh, he does it. He makes the way. Uh, and that is, of course, the Lord, the Lord Jesus. The one who dies as, the, as that ultimate Lamb of God. You might remember, uh, John even makes the point of, uh, of his bones are not broken. They're on the cross. All right, It's kind of quoting the, the Passover, the Numbers 9. Oh, look, look at this ultimate Passover lamb. Not a groan is broken there on the cross. Yeah, because here's God's great way. Here's the fulfillment, uh, the, the ultimate welcome, the ultimate way for the unclean to come, for the stranger to be brought in. You see it in Jesus. Uh, and, 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 of course, we get pictures of that here as we come to the, to the Lord's Supper. Uh, it's, it's God's welcome. It's not God saying, ah, do whatever you want. No, it's actually better because he is a holy God who cares about what is good, and yet he makes a way for those who are not by nature good. Right? That's us. Uh, it's not just, oops, shouldn't have touched that dead body. It's that we're true sinners who have really sought after those things of death and uncleanness and, and, and lived in it. We've, we've taken that journey into the things of darkness, and we're unclean. But here is, here is God so loving, uh, so welcoming, he makes the way. And it's through his son. Uh, it's only through his son. Uh, right? Just like in, in, in Numbers 9, you've got to do it God's way. So there's only one way to come to Jesus and be clean and be welcomed. It's, uh, it's through, through Christ, it's through faith in him. Which, incidentally, is why when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we don't just say, well, whatever you want to do, just do it. Whoever wants to come, come. Whoever doesn't, doesn't. Because God is pretty specific. There are some who shouldn't. Uh, and it all has to do with Jesus. Right? If, you, if you reject Jesus, it doesn't make sense to, to come because you've rejected the way that God has made. But that doesn't, that doesn't water down the welcome. In fact, it makes it all the more powerful, uh, all the more real. This is, is, is a great and a mighty God. Uh, and he has made this way of welcome. Um, but as we take the supper, the, the beauty of it is it gets personal, right? It's not just God makes a welcome, but as he as God gives the elements to his people, it's God's made welcome for you. And look, here's the way. You, you get to touch and see and, and taste it in, in the elements which represent the body of Jesus given for you, the blood of Jesus poured out uh, for you. Uh, a welcome that we don't deserve. A Savior who says, Come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would strengthen and encourage your people. Lord, we, we rejoice in your saving love. We thank you that you remind us in your goodness. Uh, we pray that you would Refresh us even here. We thank you for it and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.